What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming. Man, if I knew everybody was wearing short pants, I would have my sexy on too. Come on, somebody. Wow. I want you to uh, elevate your expectation tonight. And expectation is the cup that God will fill up. So if you hand God a thimble, that's what, you, that's what he's going to fill up. How many of you know there's enough of God to go around for everybody? Or if you give him a sparkless bottle, or if you want to go radical, give God a swimming pool to fill up. Amen, somebody? But your expectation is, the, is what God's outpouring calibrates to. And so I don't know what you're expecting for your life tonight, but I'm expecting that God moves in a detectable, measurable, I don't know if this is a word, evidenceable, where there's evidence of God working and moving and touching your life. Amen, somebody? I don't know how you came in, and I'm sure you came in uh, believing God and trusting God, but let's walk out a little bit different than we walked in. Amen, somebody? And I believe, I believe that uh, promotion is going into motion. I believe that the windows of heaven are getting flung open. I believe that the healing power of Jesus' name is going to operate in this place tonight. Woo! I believe that broken hearts are going to get binded up. I believe that weights that people have been walking with and then they're just so used to carrying the weight that they're not even going to understand how fun life is when they're walking light in life. Amen. And I mean, let's, why don't we just live the life that we love? Amen. Why wake up every morning to a life that we hate? Why wake up to a wife that we hate and a husband that we hate? And how many of you know that God can change your husband so you don't have to change husbands? Come on, somebody. Uh, there doesn't have to be an exchange to have a change. So I just want to preach briefly. Uh, I have a lot to say, but I'm not going to say all that I have to say because I believe my assignment tonight is to pray for people and to minister. I've been asking the Lord all afternoon to unleash the prophetic thing, uh, and I, I love to encourage people and comfort people and uh, console people with prophetic utterances, and uh, I flow in that pretty good, uh, a lot. I don't know how good it is, but pretty, pretty much a lot, and uh, I'm hoping it's accurate most of the time, but I get to leave town, so they just stone the pastor and not me if I make a mistake, <laughs> but uh, I said stone the pastor, not let the pastor get stoned, okay, but you just want to clarify. Um, can you imagine that even anyway? Never mind. Daniel's like, what are you talking about? Okay, but so, so I want to uh, just take a couple minutes and uh, talk to you about, uh, I just want to entitle my little talk with you tonight, Go Big. Uh, go Big. And too often we calibrate our belief, we attach our belief to the cheap shots coming from the cheap seats. Amen, somebody? Where people just sit in the cheap seats and they are throwing cheap shots and they don't really understand what it is to be in the arena of our lives. And I'm not trying to minimize anybody's life, 
my heart is to uh, elevate people, all people, wherever you're at in your life, whatever station you're at in your life. Uh, how many of you know that Jesus, there's more elevation. He, if he's the most high, then there's always an ability to go higher in your life. Amen. I don't have any judgments about where you're, where you came in. I'm just telling you that you can go bigger. Well, you, you can be like, you can say, well, pastor, I'm already going big. We'll go bigger. Well, I'm already going bigger. Well, then go biggest. Amen. Let's all just keep elevating and elevating and elevating because I believe that God lets the fake go first. And when Elijah was on the Mount, uh, Mount Carmel and he was tangling with the prophets of Baal and Asherah, and he said, listen, the God, let the God who answers with fire, let that be God. But he said, you fake gods go first. You fake people go first. And I think America has had enough fake going first. And there's going to be a season when there's a release that comes. And it's the church's turn. Amen, somebody? And then the God who answers with fire, the Bible says, and all the people said, that's God. And so I believe that the fire of revival has got to hit America again. And that is my prayer. And, and, and listen, people don't have to come to the Lord. They can just come watch us burn. I don't care. Amen, somebody? I mean, I want people to get saved, but I want the people of God to be on fire for God where this isn't just some Sunday morning thing we throw our hat in the ring of and then live our lives crazy all week. I, I believe that the bigness of God on the inside and the fire of God on the, in the spirit that's inside of us can consume everything that's standing, away, standing in the way of us living the life that we love. Somebody say amen. So, so all of this is... Uh, is connected to, and I'm not trying to preach an Easter sermon, but I have just been so exercised about this in my heart lately. Uh, but everything that gives us permission to go big is tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to just, I just want to spend just a couple minutes here uh, talking about uh, the power of the resurrection. And if we uh, have these scriptures on the screen, or if not, go on your phone or find them. And if you're old school and you actually brought a Bible, uh, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's look at verses 12 and following. It says, this now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead now how many of you know that uh, Corinth was uh, being attacked by this uh, or was being infiltrated by this sect of culture that was saying that resurrections from the dead do not exist and since they don't exist, not even Christ was raised from the dead. And that mindset was starting to find its way into the New Testament first uh, generation church. And so some people were buying it. And so the Apostle Paul says, look, I got to correct this uh, erroneous doctrine that's being uh, in, that's infiltrating the innocence that has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And he's saying, let me just correct this whole mess uh, and this whole conversation. He said, how is it that some of you are saying there is no resurrection from the dead? Because if there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Jesus has been raised. And if Jesus hasn't been raised, then our preaching is vain. And not only is our preaching in vain, but your faith is in vain. 
So I want you to know that your faith and my faith swings, that door of faith swings on the hinges of the reality of the resurrection. That our faith isn't even any good if Jesus didn't actually get up out of that hole and blow that doggone rock a football field away that weighed as much as a Volkswagen and came out of there and said, now it's on like Donkey Kong, somebody. It's on now. Now it's on. I paid the price for the sin, but I sealed the deal when I got up. Because he got up, you can get up. Amen, somebody? Our faith is real because his resurrection is real. And then the apostle continues. He says, he says if, this is, if this didn't happen, our preaching's in vain. And not only is our preaching in vain, but your faith is in vain. And moreover, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we told people that God raised Jesus from the dead. And if he didn't raise him from the dead, if in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, then not even Jesus has been raised. And if Jesus hasn't been raised, your faith and mine is worthless. So tonight when we pray big prayers... When we go big, I got invited to this birthday party for Jim Brown. Remember the famous football player, Jim Brown? And he's having this birthday party in Beverly Hills. And somehow I got invited to this thing. And they do this seating chart. And there's about 200 people there. And there's all these famous people there. And they sit me next to Mike Tyson. (laughs) All my grandkids. This isn't a story. This is true. He sit me next to Mike Tyson. He said, he said, you're a preacher, right? I said, I heard you're a preacher. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a man of God, yeah. He said, will you mind? He said, I'm going through some trouble. Would you mind praying a little prayer for me? I said, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I'm not praying a little prayer for you. He looked at me. I said, I don't pray little prayers. I said, I'll pray a big prayer for you. He goes, okay. And his bodyguard was like, go, man, go. Pray for this dude. Pray for him. And, man, I shun-died that dude right at Jim Brown's birthday party. And people were like. I said, God, set this man free. I bind every demon for us. And he was like, you know, and then we ate our chicken. And then that's what I did. <laughs> True story. So we can't go big if we don't understand that we, our faith is being backed. Our bigness is being backed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That what is backing you isn't you, it's you believing in what he did for you. Amen, somebody? This faith thing isn't about you, it's about you aligning your faith with him getting up from the dead. Amen, somebody? How big is your light bill when you got the resurrection backing your belief? How big is your problem when you got the resurrection, death, hell, and the grave couldn't stop Jesus? Then if you believe that, that's what's backing your faith. That will obliterate your issue. It's not you having faith and making a faith face. When you leave me alone, I'm having faith. No, it's like my faith is connected to that. Boom, get out of my way, amen? It don't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter what they said about you. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've had. You are backed by the resurrection of the Son of God. I'm going to say it loud and proud, baby. 
That's who you are. That's what's back in our faith. Just like currency gets gold backed, our prayers get resurrection backed. Amen, somebody? Woo, you can't lose. Okay, let me get back to the scripture. I'm preaching myself sweaty already. Hold on for a minute. Okay. So he says, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. And people who have died in Christ, they've actually perished. And if we hoped in Christ in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. But now, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen, somebody? And, and he's the first fruits. He wasn't one and done. He started the thing. It wasn't just Jesus experiencing the power of the new life, of the resurrection life. He was the one that inaugurated it, instigated it, and released it into your life and mine. Again, the door of your faith swings on the reality of the resurrection. See, the, you have to, you and I need to simply believe that our faith is resurrection backed. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what happens? You're saved. You confess that Jesus is deity and then you believe that his resurrection had the power and has the power to save your life. It has nothing to do with your behaving and your re religious rigidity. It has everything to do with you understanding his deity and his power, and that is afforded to you and me in this moment. It's his deity and his power. It isn't your right living Although we live right because we want to have a life that's great because wrong living produces some goofy harvest. Amen. But, but your salvation is not measured on the perfection of your performance. It's measured on the perfection of his performance. And if you'll believe that, you can get free from all this guilt and shame you walk in. I mean, this is resurrection life, church. This isn't guilt center. Praise the Lord for that. Okay, so you shall be saved. And so if the same spirit, Romans 8, 11, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in you, if the same spirit, then he references the resurrection. The same exact thing, the same exact power this is going to obliterate your alibis, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to obliterate your excuses. This is going to obliterate your limitations. This is going to stop the smallness that we live. And this is going to, if you'll get this tonight, you'll never go back to a small life. You'll never go back to struggle. You'll never go back to woe is me victim mentality. You'll never be offended again. You'll never be hurt again. The resurrection is more powerful than people trying to hurt you by their, by their decisions. Yeah. This is the whole enchilada, mijo. Right here. 
Orale, this is it. Sorry about that. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also quicken or give life to the mortality of your humanity through his spirit who dwells in you. You guys, I think God's in heaven half the time going, would there be anything else? What else can I do for you? Please, God, please, 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 please. He gave Jesus up, died on a cross, put him in a hole, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan, blew out and resurrected three days later, and you're tripping out about if God's going to give you a husband? You're worried about your light bill? You think cancer's going to stop you? You think a poor upbringing is going is to derail your destiny? You think that somebody else's decisions are stronger than the decisions that God has made about you? It's not about what's happened to you. It's what you believe about what's happened to you that makes you you. You guys okay? Man, everybody say, go big. Man, oh man, turn to your neighbor say, no more small stuff. Turn to your other neighbor and say, stop sweating the small stuff. What's up? Oh. So what causes us to live small? What causes us to live small is we don't know how to navigate our pain. And the pain gets lodged in our souls. That's why Jesus' ministry was never a ministry to the spirits of people because our spirits are unpenetrable, inaccessible to the demons and to the agenda of our enemy. But our soul is the thing that has a hole. And if you have a hole in your soul, you just have to get introduced to the man with the hole in his hand. And then he'll make you whole. Whatever, whatever I just said, I think I'm right about it. Okay, so, so here's what's real, man. Jesus' ministry was to the souls or the holes in the souls of people. He's saying, I came to preach the gospel to the poor because poverty is a soulical issue. I came to, to open the sight, blind eyes. I don't know if this is in order or not, but pastor will tell me when we're driving we're somewhere, he'll be like, that's, that's that second one you like turned them up soon. You inverted them right there. You didn't do them in order. Okay. <laughs> but see, blindness is just deception of you believing wrong things about you and God. He came to open blind eyes. He came to open prison doors. He's not talking about literal prisons. He's talking about the incarceration of your soul. Solical incarceration where you are locked up in your thought life. And all your thought life is, is the is thought, a conversation is just a bunch of thoughts and words that you're putting together, drawing conclusions and attaching your belief to it. And my Bible says that God sent his word and it healed him and delivered him. Wow. He had to interrupt, he had to interrupt our solical incarcerating conversation with the illumination of our path. And let me tell you something, you already won. He always causes you to triumph. Hello, it's fixed. It's rigged. You already got the W, baby. You're no longer a loser. The devil's the loser, not you. 
We only lose when we align ourselves with the loser. Okay, and then, and then he says he, he came to, you know, fix the bruises. The bruises are those places on the inside of you that nobody can see that bleed. It's all a bruise is. It's like an internal bleeding in your soul. I'm sorry some stuff happened to you. But I'm happy that something happened for you. And what happened for you was the resurrection and then that spirit that got him up stuck in you and then you battle with that, with the resurrection. You simply believe that everything was, that was procured on Calvary's Hill is already deposited in you and activated by just believing it. Hmm. And then finally, he says, I'm, I'm going to, well, not finally, but he says, and then your broken heart. I know, listen, the Bible says that God takes out your old heart and puts in a new heart. And pastor can fix this next week if, he, if, you're wrong, if I'm wrong about it, but I think I'm right about it. It doesn't say he repairs the heart that you have. He said he replaces the heart that you have. So how many of you know that God doesn't repair your messed up heart? He puts a new heart in. When you get saved, you get a new heart. Because the old one can't be used. But that new heart can be broken. And that's what happens in our life. Is that we get born again. We get a new heart. It's tender. It's innocent. It believes. And then it gets broken. It gets hurt. And then Jesus had to come to say, I'm not going to give you another new heart. I'm just going to fix the new heart that got broken by living life. And that's what we're going to go after tonight. A broken heart, you could tell you have a broken heart that if everything that hits your life, your, re your reflex response is separation and isolation and victimization. So I don't want to get too close because I got hurt. I'm going to be over here and you're going to love me from a distance. I'll marry you, but you're not going to get the whole version of me. Or I'm going to isolate and men have broken hearts and women have broken hearts. But how many of you know that God huh, deals with us at the heart level? He influences our heart. So how can he influence a heart that's broken? So Jesus has to come and bind it up and heal it so that the influence of the spirit of God that's on the inside of you makes a, your broken heart a healed heart so your life works. You can live the life that you love if you'll let God heal your broken heart. And that's why Jesus came. And then to preach the year, the favorable year of the Lord, which means you got favor and flavor. Come on, somebody. You got the favor of God in your life. So let me just read a couple more scriptures, and then we got to go uh, after some prayer. Okay. And this is, incidentally, the fastest I've ever preached in my whole life. And... Uh, I hope you are enjoying a, a reduced message, but my assignment is to pray. But faith comes by hearing, so I want to get you to hear some things. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 and following in the Message Bible. So let me just uh, read this to you. Paul says this. He said, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter into this wide, open, spacious life. 
we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from the inside of yourself. Your lives are not small. You're just living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can, Paul goes on to say. And with great affection, nobody's putting anybody down here. Nobody's mad at anybody. Nobody's pointing out anything to make you feel bad about yourself. We're pointing out things so you can burst out of those limiting thoughts that you're thinking because of something, some label that got put on you or some life that you've lived up until tonight. So there's no judgment here. I am not arrogant enough to forget where I came from. And I use certain mechanisms to motivate myself to never go back to smallness that are sometimes misunderstood as arrogance. But my heart is not arrogant, although I do apologize for being misunderstood that way. I'll take full responsibility for that. But what I want to say is that you start wherever you are tonight and you could go bigger. You have a big life. The smallest that you feel isn't coming from our preaching. It's coming from you having that internal conversation and you, you, you not understanding the resurrection power that's dwelling inside of you tonight. Amen, somebody? He's saying, I'm talking to you with great affection. Open up your lives and live expansively. And I'll say expansively. Just open up and let this thing get big on the inside of you. Amen, somebody? So let me just, last scripture, and then if I could have that precious sir on the, on the keyboard, I would appreciate it. So Romans 8.32 is the last scripture I want to share tonight. It says, if God did not spare, where's the guy on the keyboards? I'm going to ask one more time. Oh, here he comes. Okay, run up here like you stole something, like the police are chasing you. Come on. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor guy. He's like, I'm never playing for that guy again. <laughs> Amen. Romans 8.32, if God didn't spare his own son, hear me, precious ones, but delivered Jesus over for all of us, how will he not also with Jesus Freely give us all things. Okay, so what are you looking for tonight? What do you need tonight? I have an announcement. It's all covered under the canopy of God's love for you and his inability to allow himself to invent a rationale that would talk the father out of sparing his son. And if he didn't spare his son, how do we actually think that with Jesus, God won't voluntarily, freely, you don't have to perform for it. You don't have to sing for your supper. You don't have to do a great job. You have to believe. And he'll freely give you all things. Amen? Daniel, will you get that out of the way for me? If I tried to move it, I'll throw my back out or something. Just... So you're here tonight, and you're saying, Hage, I'm on the verge. I'm on the verge of something incredible in my life. 
In my prayer time, I, I got a vision. I actually don't need the worship team. It, it, that'll, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It'll be a distraction to me. I can't, I can't do it. This is good enough. Thank you. Oh, my God, I'm blowing it. Hi, I'm a visitor for the last time. It's been great knowing you for 20 years. Oh, I'm in such big trouble right now. Oh. Thank you. Thank you, I think. It's okay. It's okay. I'll still do the best I can. Okay. But it's really been wonderful ministering here for two decades. I'll never see you again after tonight. I just get distracted. I'm sorry. But the Lord has allowed me to witness and to be a part of and to be at the point of two major youth revivals in America. And what was characteristic of a youth revival is that the, the young people and those who led them carried revival on the inside of them. It wasn't like revival was out there somewhere. It was in here already. And that that, how many of you know revival's contagious? And wherever someone that's in revival goes, it just gets everybody on fire. They get infected with this thing where God convicts them and draws them and, and, and loves them right into the kingdom. So in my prayer time, I actually saw a vision of the youth pastor at this church. I didn't know who it was three days ago. He was preaching, and that preaching was creating this. It was like an anthill in here. It was in here. There were just young people everywhere, and there was all of this movement, and this kid was preaching the fire of God, and there was like this revival among young people, and then it spread to the community. How many think that would be a good idea? Amen, somebody? So I would like to, so I would like to pray for the youth pastor and his wife, I, and I, I'm assuming, and I'm I've been told that that's Jake and Abby Road. So Abby, come on with Jake if you can. And then all of the youth leaders, will you come quickly? And then I would like every single person that's 25 and younger up to about 11 or 12 years old to come and get behind them and just fill up this altar and let me pray for them. Would that be okay with you? Amen. Come quickly, you guys, because I got a lot to do tonight. I got a lot to do tonight. Praise the Lord. I love how young people just kind of swag up. You know, yeah, you know what, man? Girls are looking at me, so I'm just going to walk cool like this. Get up here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do me a favor. Open that for me. Praise the Lord. Look at this. Amen. How are you, Jake? You ready for this? How you doing, Abbey Road? Had a baby since the last time I saw you. Still looking good. Will you guys come up here? Bring your wife up. You guys extend your hands up to heaven. And I'm going to ask God to release a spirit 
of revival on the inside of this youth ministry and those who lead them. And then I'm going to lay my hands on this couple. I need an usher up here. Chuck, come up here. Help me. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to allow yourself to let God start burning on the inside of you. Where the fire of God on the inside of you is stronger than your fear of man, your need for acceptance, peer pressure, approval addiction. Where you get so on fire, your parents think something's wrong with you. Amen, somebody. Where you're reading your Bible, where you're in prayer, where you're witnessing, where your morality increases. Some of you guys are going to be like, I'm not going to, the next woman I'm going to date is going to be my wife. I'm getting out of this rat race of trying to date people. That I'm going to, if I date the way the world dates, I'm going to get the world's results. And I don't want the world's results in my relationship. I want the revival fire of God. And I want God to bring me a wife or a husband who is on fire for his kingdom. And we're just going to burn all the way into eternity. Amen. Somebody that, that, that's, that's the way. That's what happens in a youth revival. The rest of the church catches fire. Things happen. And I believe hundreds of people, hundreds of young people are just waiting for you to be released and catapulted and slingshotted into this community. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, I release the fire, the revival fire. The revival fire for this generation to burn in the belly of every single one of these young people and those who lead them. Lord, I'm asking you to move in a mighty way. Lord, ignite them with the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Give God your hands now. Lord, I pray, lift up both of your hands. Lord, I pray that these hands would be anointed to gather. Put your hands over your eyes. Lord, that you would give us eyes to evangelize. Now put your hand over your heart. And Lord, that our heart would burn and beat with yours tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now extend your hands out to Jake and Abby. Daniel, come up here. Bring your wife. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to put my hands on you. And I'm going to ask God to do exactly and precisely with your life and your ministry what is in his heart, whether you fully comprehend it or not, that the seeds of greatness are being activated in your ministry even now. And that it will translate into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people coming into the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the discipleship and the teaching and, and those mechanism of maturity will take place and you will be a full service youth ministry, generational ministry, preparing hands to receive the baton of anointing from the generation that's up front now. So Lord, I lay my hands on this couple. And I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in Jake's life. Lord, put your, take a coal off of the oven of heaven and touch his lips. And Lord, let him preach with the fire of heaven. 
and rally a generation to the goodness of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, for Abby, Lord, give her a heart for young people, young girls, Lord, teenagers that are struggling with identity. Lord, give her an anointing. Release it in her life now, Lord, to proclaim with boldness the goodness of God, raising up godly women for the kingdom, for the sake of the kingdom, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. And I pray for Daniel Vanderklok in the name of the Lord. God, everything that's in this young man, stir it up, multiply it, accelerate it, blow it up in his life, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. I pray. Everybody say amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. You can go back to your seats. Thank you, Lord. Whoo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you're here tonight. The other thing I felt, you guys okay? Okay, the other thing I felt was, or heard God say, was that he was going to not just send a revival among young people, but he was going to send a revival to real estate people, if you can believe that. And like, believe me, I, I've never had this before. Uh, I, I'm not sitting around thinking about real estate people. But it popped into me, and then I saw uh, commercial real estate people, residential real estate people, residential real estate people trans, uh, transitioning into into. Uh, you know, commercial real estate, there was like this whole movement among real estate people at Res Life, and there was going to become an anointing for your, uh, for you to elevate your resource that will extend our reach. How many of you know that, that there is no limitation on our vision in this house? What limits us is the resource. We don't have a problem with the reach. If we had enough resource, we could reach until Jesus comes. But our reach is limited by resource. And I heard the Lord say that there's coming a new wave of resource through real estate people into this house where you're going to get the contracts, you're going to get the escrows, you're going to get the favor, and then you are going to get baptized with prosperity and then immersed in generosity. Amen, somebody? So if you got anything to do with real estate, come up here right now. I want to pray for you. You have anything to do with real estate, please come. 